so this morning, just have a few things I want to share with you. Um, I didn't really know. I didn't, I didn't even make slides today. I didn't. I mean, we're going to have scriptures on the screen, but I just want to keep it simple. But there's this message that God put on my heart just months ago and been thinking about it. And I, I wanted to just, if, if I was going to title it something, I might title it like priorities or something like that. Life priorities. We're going to talk about oil, stewardship, and generosity. See, the situation that I'm going to present to you today is we're going to, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 25. We're actually going to read the entire chapter. I know. It's crazy. <laughs> we're going to read the entire chapter. It encompasses three parables. And what I have discovered, is like the Holy Spirit revealed this to me maybe a year or two ago, that these three parables are so often taught and preached apart from one another. But they're meant to be understood in concert. They're meant to not be understood in isolation, but they're meant to bring together the priorities of life. And I think you'll see what I'm talking about as we get into it. But I'm going to start with reading from Matthew chapter 25, verse 1. This is the story or the parable of the ten bridesmaids or the ten virgins. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says this, verse 1. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough oil, olive oil, for their lamps. And the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were roused by a shout, Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, please, please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, we don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came and those who were ready, then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I don't know you. So you too must keep watch for you do not know the day or hour of my return. I don't know if anybody has had the opportunity to see some of the chosen episodes. Anybody seen some of the chosen episodes? All right. Yeah. How many of you have not seen even one yet? Just it's it's okay. No no condemnation. It's all right. It's all right. You're like, oh, those Christian films, those Christian movies. Man, I'm telling you, I don't know if I could oversell it enough. I I really don't. Like, I I do not even like Christian movies. There's a couple, but but I'm telling you, man, I, I sat in the theater. Sunday night, I think it was. And I promise you, I wept for 40% of that two-hour experience. Maybe it's just me. (laughs) But I just feel the tension in our world. And somehow, God has given 
these storytellers the ability to bring to life these stories of the Bible that sometimes we grow numb to. And I don't know, it's like Jesus incarnated in this actor. I mean, you know, he's, he's not Jesus, obviously, but it's like, my goodness, the way that he portrays, he's like, wow, this seems like so much of my, how it might have been. And to hear Jesus tell these stories. It's one thing for me to read this, but it's another thing for Jesus. Like, these are Jesus' words, and they're difficult words. You know, so often in The Chosen, he's telling people, be prepared to do hard things. And the beautiful thing about Jesus is he doesn't just leave us on our own. He says, hey, good luck with the hard things. He's like, no, I'll, I'll be with you. In fact, not only that, I'll give you my spirit. And I'll help you with the hard things. Some of my reflections on this, and I'm not going to preach long on each individual parable, but a couple of reflections from this first one. After reading this parable, I couldn't help but say to myself, I need more oil. Because it's as if oil is the most important thing in life. And yet so many believers, yes, believers, are running around with empty lamps. Because the lamps represent who we are and our lamps represent our talents and our giftings and our ministries. And so many people run around, they have ministries, and they might even have big shiny or big lamps, but the lamps have no oil. And without oil, there can be no light. I'm not a lamp expert, guys. <laughs> but I know this. If you had one of those old-fashioned lamps and the oil goes down, that's right, the flame goes out. Maybe some of you can relate. There's this phrase we use, burned out. Everybody in this room has experienced that sensation. And it's funny because it's almost as if we believe it's a condition that has happened to us rather than a choice that we have made. We're not a victim of burnout. We are not victims of burnout. We are victims of choices that we have made to prioritize other things besides oil. Oil is where it starts. Now, I told you these three parables are meant to be preached together. So I don't want to overemphasize parable number one, but it all starts with oil. The way that you cultivate oil in your lamp is so simple. <laughs> it's every sermon we've ever heard. Spend time with God. There's really no other way to cultivate oil in your lamp. If you don't have oil in your lamp, if you feel burned out, the only antidote is time alone in God's presence. It's what we were made for. Yet we prioritize sometimes so many other things. You can see that there's a God who says, look, I, I don't want to send you the message that you can exist and have a wonderful life outside of 
relationship with me. And so we spin our wheels and we spin our wheels trying to create a life outside of his presence. When we were made to have life in his presence. That doesn't mean you have to have a 24-hour Bible study, right? Let's look at parable number two. Matthew 25, starting in verse 14, the parable of the three servants. I'm going to read pretty quick. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money, get that part, his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. Verse 19, after a long time, after a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had trusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling the small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest in. I have earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. The master replied, You wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money into the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Wow. A couple of reflections. Nothing I have is mine. Nothing I have is mine. Talents, skills, resources, time, nothing, my body, nothing I have is mine. It's all been given to me by God. Also, I will be called to give an account of how I have used what I have. And I am expected to produce fruit by harvesting or by investing what he has given me for his kingdom. The beautiful thing of this is that when we are faithful with the little that God has given us, faithful with the little that God has given us. See, we live in a backward society. We, we think, well, 
if he gives me more, then I'll be faithful with it. <laughs> That's not how it works. If you're faithful with what he's, the little that he's given you. And all of us have felt like we've been given little at times. If you're faithful with what little he has given you, he will entrust you with greater responsibilities. But the opposite is also true when we are unfaithful. He will take what we have and give it to someone else who has been faithful. That's what the Bible says. So I encourage you, faithfully invest everything God has given you and you will be fruitful in your life. Let me move on to the third parable so we can tie all three of these together. This is the story of the sheep and the goats. Sorry, in verse 31. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence. Think of that. And he will separate the people as a shepherd separates a sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those at his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. Then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick in prison and not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth, when you refused, when you refused to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. A couple of reflections on that parable. We are expected to serve and help those in need. Somebody say amen. <laughs> amen. This is, a, this, is not really, this is not a heavy burden. It's a blessing. It's a blessing, right? We're expected to help those in need, the hungry, the stranger, the sinner, the sick, the weak, those in prison, and yes, even those who are not like us. Now, I want to make a quick note on this, that this is not meant to be an overwhelming burden. So many times we can get overwhelmed by the great need. There is great need in this world. You hear things like there's 42% of the world who's never heard of Jesus. I'm like, how am I going to win them all? Well, it's not your responsibility to help everyone. It's not your responsibility to win all of them to Jesus. But could you win one? Could you help one? Could you serve one? Yes. When we help others, as the scripture says, it is literally the same as if we have helped Jesus personally. 
And of course, when we refuse to help those that God has assigned us to help. And understand that he gives us each assignments. You're not assigned to help everybody, but you are assigned to help some people. When we refuse to help those that God has called us to help, it's as if we have refused to help Jesus himself. As we kind of wrap things up, I want to help tie these together. As I said at the beginning, sometimes these three parables are preached separately from one another. And it feels like if you hear parable number three by itself, you think to yourself, oh my gosh, this is what the most important thing is right here. This one thing, I need to help the poor. I need to help the sick. I need to visit those in prison. And you feel this heavy weight and responsibility. And in a sense, you should. But it's not meant to be felt apart from these other three. You notice that each parable actually ends the same way. It's, it's sobering. In the first parable, Jesus says, I don't know you, and the door is locked and it's shut. Right? In the second parable, he sends those who are unfaithful away into eternal punishment. And the same with the third one. But I guess I wanted to paint a picture this morning that all three of these work together. Some might be very business-minded and task-oriented and say, oh, parable number two, that's where I see myself. I see myself like I want to be investing and I want to be building a business so that I can, you know, be faithful with what God's given me. And that's a great thing, but it shouldn't be that alone. Because these things are built on a foundation and the foundation is, number one, is oil. Because if you try to serve others without having oil... You're just involved in trying to get do good works to make yourself feel better. If there's no oil, if there's no relationship with God, then you're just trying to build a business for your own pleasure as opposed to understanding the responsibility that you have to use what God has given us. And there's such beauty when we bring these things together. If, there, if I could say, what is the purpose of, of life, well, a lot of times we say love God and love people, and that's what I see in these two parables. The first one is love God. And if you will love God like no one else, then you will be moved to understand what his calling is for your life, the assignment that you have. You won't be so confused, should I do this or that, or what should I do, Lord? But God will give you wisdom and discernment to know what you have been called to do. What is your assignment? So the first parable is about being with God. The second parable is about doing what God has called you to do and being faithful in that assignment. And the third is about more doing but giving and sharing. So you see how they build on one another? As you cultivate oil in your soul, in your spirit, relationship, true connection with God, which is the number one most important thing in life, then you will be faithful with the assignments that he's given you. And when you're faithful to invest and build and grow the resources that he's given you, guess what you're going to have enough of to give away? See, we can't help those in need very well if we haven't sought the Lord. 
And it's difficult to help those in need, which is a very important responsibility. But if we haven't been faithful with the resources that he's given us to invest them and build them and not bury them in a hole in the ground. I encourage you this morning to lean into these priorities of life and say, okay, God, I see the big picture. This is the big picture. All three of these things are so important. It's three things. It's oil and stewardship and generosity. This is our God. This is what he's called us to in life. Every single one of us has this calling played out in different means, different ways. So I just want to pray for you. Will you stand with me? And we'll have a time if you want to come and pray and you want to kind of reorder your priorities in your life or you just have something you want to seek the Lord or you have a few minutes so you just want to press in and cultivate oil in your soul, I encourage you to stay for a few minutes. But I would say this to you as a challenge today. In this busy time, we have one week of classes, and then we've got some finals, right? It's so easy to say, I'll push aside the time with God. Or you might even say, well, I'll just make chapel my time with God, which is an amazing time for us to come and spend together. But God wants to have you to himself. The Bible says that he is jealous for you. And I'm telling you, will you trust the old guy? Don't forsake your time with God this week. Because you'll be able to take those tests with greater fervor. And you'll be better at writing papers if you will spend time with the God who made you. And you will accomplish more than you could ever imagine or think this week if you will not neglect your Father in heaven and the oil that you need to keep your light shining and keep your lamp burning. So, Father, we look to you this morning, and we give you all praise. We give you all honor. You alone are the king, and you have called us to follow you. You have called us to walk with you and talk with you and be with you. And, Lord, to do things in this life together with you. You have given us assignments. You have given us resources, Lord. And you have called us to help those who don't know, those who are hurting, those who are struggling, those in prison, Lord. You have called us to help them with the resources that you have given us and with the overflow of oil in our souls. Lord God, I pray that we would be those who are faithful. And Lord, we know we can't be faithful without your spirit. So we just welcome your Holy Spirit anointing. Fill us to overflowing that we would have the strength to do what you have called us to do. Lord, let us not wander around wondering what it is you've called us to do or try to do things that you have not called us to do and in a way burn ourselves out. But God, would you help us to stay focused on what you have called us to do right here, right now. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Hey, God bless you. If you want to come spend some time at the altar and pray, you're welcome to do that. Have a great day.